Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 44. Another really interesting episode uh, for us today. Again, uh, well, not again, I've said on a few occasions, the reason we started this podcast was to showcase the different people and different jobs in this industry. Uh, because originally someone asked, how do I get in? How do I find my way in this industry? And I thought the best way to do it was just show it. Um, we've had a few different examples back in, uh, well, over the time of the podcast, number six and number 29, where we've shown people that have started in farming, really not with much farming background. And that is, again, today what we have. Um, so we have A and A Livestock, or Abby and Andy, if you want to say hello, guys. Hello. Hello. Before we get on in to another excellent episode of the R2 cast, I would just like to thank the sponsor for the show today, The Scottish Farmer. A weekly magazine highlighting everything you need to know regarding the Scottish agricultural industry. Whether it's breaking news, events happening in the sector, market reports, classified ads, or just wholesome stories happening in the industry, The Scottish Farmer's got it for you. So they look very much more comfier than me, it must be said. I'm sat here on my uh, swivel desk chair that squeaks and I try to stay still the whole time because it sounds like there's a cat in the house. Um, they're sat on the sofa. It looks like we've just sat with a beer and I'm kind of jealous. It's probably trying to arrange a sofa for comfier podcasting from now on. Um, it, it would be good, to, guys, to hear both of your sort of backgrounds. We always go over folks' backgrounds um, and it's normally, oh, my... I was born on a farm or my such and such is from a farm and I'm looking forward to hear what you guys' background was. So, well, are we doing, you, you choose who to say first? I'll go first. Um, so, um, yeah, not from a farm and family at all. Uh, the passion for it came from my grandmother. She used to work with cattle long before I was born and then the men down her side of the family were herdsmen, sort of your old fashioned traveling herdsmen. Um, but then that skipped generation, my parents aren't involved in farming anyway. No, no relatives at all were involved by the time I was born. Uh, family doesn't own any land or anything like that. Um, but yeah, the passion was there. Um, went to agriculture college, did that. Um, was really interested in the cattle and other livestock, not so much in cereal production at all. And um, yeah, went straight into work and been working in the industry for, um, blimey, nine years now. Sorry. What, what about yourself, Abby? Um, for me, I grew up in uh, Essex in Chelmsford, so it's an absolute concrete jungle. Um, <laughs> And what dreams are made of? When we were, <laughs> what dreams are made of? Concrete oh yeah, concrete. exactly. Well, that was the thing. <laughs> they were not. Um, so when we'd, my sort of escape would be when we'd go on family holidays in our tiny family caravan, um, and my granddad would bribe farmers to let us stay on their land for cheap. So we went all around Britain, and we'd stay on these beautiful farms, and I'd see all the farm animals and being outdoors, and I just absolutely fell in love with it. And um, by the time I was six, I decided that I wanted to be a farmer. But then obviously we'd go home, and I'd be back somewhere completely not rural, no farms around. Um, I'm not from a farming family. Mum and dad um, aren't 
anything to do with farming we didn't even, I didn't even know any farmers um so when it came to college there was an agricultural college sort of fairly close to me but I, I just panicked because I realized that I didn't know any farmers um I didn't know the first thing about farming and I bottled it and I, I did childcare instead and just sort of ticked along doing that for a few years um and then I came across Andy's profile on a dating app and saw that he had cattle. So obviously swipe right. Um, and we got we got chatting and on our first date, um, he told me about a small number of cattle that he bought uh, for himself. Um, he was renting some land and sort of starting to build up his own his own farm. And I just couldn't believe it that I'd, I'd found somebody who was also a first generation farmer. because I, I had no idea before we before we actually met up that that he was um, also not from a farming family. And we just clicked. We, we both had the same dream. And a few months into the relationship, uh, I said, let's let's go for it. Let's do this. And we've been crazy enough to carry it on almost three years later. Excellent. Oh, I think that's brilliant. Did you notice Andy as well as the cows, Abby, on the date now? Uh, or was it was it the cows that really drew you to him? <laughs> Straight to ask me about the, about the stock. Yeah, much. I think it was about ten minutes into the date that I brought up. Oh, so you you've got cows? Yeah, um, yeah definitely. <laughs> yeah, go go for what matters. You've got to look for what matters. <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. Did did you end up going to agricultural college, Abby, or no? I did not. No, no I've learned everything from. Basically, Andy's taught me a lot, um, cattle, cattle side of it and um, a bit about sheep and everything else. I've just had to learn myself and just yes. I read a lot. So, um, sure. A bit of a bookworm. I mean, YouTube, what can you, you know, there's nothing you can't find out on Google. So <laughs> basically, yeah, learning as we go. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think there's a lot of people, I mean, I'm a, I'm a uni lecturer, so I probably shouldn't say this, but there's a lot of people that think that, and, and I'm not just saying think as and I disagree, I think this is absolutely true. You can learn anything on YouTube. Um, and I think that's true. The only thing is you could say, well, it's not peer reviewed, but everything is there. Um, yeah. There's so much you absolutely can learn on there. And yeah, if you want to sort of focus in on something, there's journals that you can still find. There's there's um, there's absolutely ways to do it. Uh, and and the, the whole idea that you sort of said you bottled it and you went to do childcare is is I'm sure that it's worked out for you as you've seen. But there's there's a sort of that's the sort of thing we have to change. And I, and I, I've I've spoke a few times about the sort of mentality no that's the wrong word the sort of aura that the industry gives off um that i think a lot of us make it as inviting as we can but there is some kind of thing there that's not quite perfect in that in that sense and do you think do you think that hit you or do you think it was a personal thing oh no completely that that was yeah. completely it um i just i knew i'd have this moment where i'd walk into this room that would be full of second third fourth generation um farm or at least people that have been around agriculture for the majority of their lives and i just i knew that i'd be the odd one out and i'd be the one that didn't understand any of the terminology and yeah i just i panicked yeah and then yeah i i get it and and it's i think just for maybe anyone listening um it would be interesting to hear your advice that uh, your advice on this when i be just in that position you go to college to learn. You don't go to college to tell people. You know, and, and that there's there is that 
yeah, there is that mentality that you have to know everything. And it's such an <laughs> aggy thing. It's not in anything. Well, it must be in other things, but we notice it because we're in this industry. Um, it is one of my regrets. If I could go back in time, it is something that I wish that I had done just to right. just to say that I'd done it and sort of, you know, face that fear and... Yeah, you know, things are obviously working out. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put too much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's working out fine. And and just on I call Andy. Could you t- where where was it you went? Um, what? How long did you study for? Um, so I went to East of the Otley College. Um, studied at Otley College campus. Um, and studied for two years. Uh, did a level three diploma in agriculture. Um, yeah, it wasn't too bad. Um, sort of all your conventional stuff. Don't really use much of it nowadays. Um, and just to just to say about talking about approachableness of the college and stuff. Yeah, it's um, well, I suppose like a lot of industries, pretty pretty cl- pretty clicky. Um, yeah, you know when you yeah like Abby says, um, you meet a bunch of farmers and they're all or farmer sons even they're all talking about oh my dad's got so and so my dad's got so and so all sorts and they've all got last names that are known in the area sort of thing and then you're sitting there like don't know you they never occurred to me and, uh, you did you did what i couldn't yeah so i've only um, just realized that, that yeah obviously you, you did it wasn't it wasn't quite it wasn't quite so bad because the course i was on people in that course there was only a few that come from farm backgrounds actually and there were majority of us there's only half a dozen were from non-farming backgrounds so um in that respect that was quite interesting because in our small group we were sort of learning it all as we went along apart from a couple of us see my local um college would have been rittle college and um i mean chompsford and um that is heavily um agricultural people do tend to go to that specific college because there isn't one that's the big that's the best and biggest one basically sort of in the area um so it it probably would have been quite a lot of people in the industry um if I had gone to to Rittle just because of the location of it it's yeah and I say this so often I mean I've got countless students that come with with no experience and they're like oh i'm, I'm worried i'm not going to get the best out of this and i'm like you're probably going to get the best out of this because you're, you're coming uh, blank yeah. sorry um yeah i was no, gonna say um yeah the people that have no um experience of it are, you've got the biggest advantage because you're going to have the open-mindedness try new things and be open to new sort of paradigms and um whereas the this is where this is where I'll start getting too honest and start getting some jit. Um, no, no. The generational lot will um, be sort of a bit could potentially be a bit closed-minded because oh, that's how Dad's done it. Or that's how Grandma Grandfather did it. You know, oh, we couldn't do it that way. We do it this way on our farm, sort of thing. But if you've got no experience, you're going to be very open-minded to all different sort of concepts. Yeah, you're saying, sort of being too honest, I, as someone who is, well, third generation, I guess, um, that's definitely a thing. I don't think it's a thing I've suffered from, but it's, oh, but, but Papa did that, or, or Dad did that. And I'm like, I don't care what they did. That was 80 years ago, or that was 40 years ago, or whatever. Yeah. It's a completely different world. We've got six times the population to feed. We've got, everything's changing. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's really cool to sort of hear you say that itself. You'd mentioned um, Rittle Abbey, funnily, funnily enough, I do actually know quite a bit about Rittle. I did two harvests in Essex, uh, and for, first off, I'm, I'm going to offer a fantastic compliment. It's the best accent there is. Um, I know that's not something that many folks say. Well, stop it. What, the Essex accent? The Essex, 100%. You like Essex. Oh, okay. I, I can't stand it. You can't stand it? <laughs> no, I can't stand it at all. I'm oh. turning her into a Suffolk girl, is what I'm trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> Try to change the accent. <laughs> yeah. my, my granddad actually was from Suffolk, but I, I didn't know he had a Suffolk accent. I just thought he spoke funny. And uh, <laughs> it, it wasn't until I met you that I realised it was a Suffolk accent that he had. It never, it never clicked. But yeah, I've, I've, I don't. When I think you've obviously got one, uh, like you're saying, Andy, a Suffolk accent's not one I'm aware of. It's not. Yeah. It's not. No, maybe that's just because I wasn't there. Uh, but um, yeah, the, the the reason I guess I was asking about Rittle College is is where. You're Chelmsford around Chelmsford. Is that mainly arable ground then, Abby, as opposed to sort of livestock? Or um, primarily? Yeah, I think it, there is quite a lot of arable. It's, it's a, there's, there's there a, is a tiny bit of a mix. There's a lot of there's um, you've got the river, was it River Chelmsford? Chelmsford. And that's so there's, there's a bit, there's a fair bit of meadowland. Yeah. My lack, well, very little knowledge of it. There's a seems to be a few bits and pieces, mainly cattle small herds that sort of congregate around that um, river sort of meadowland, but primarily, yes, yeah, you know, your typical Essex sort of yeah. flat land, arable and, and uh, roots, you know, onions and spuds normally, land sort of, sort of thing. Sure, yeah. You you mentioned, Andy, you, you've been in agriculture for nine years, uh, and you also mentioned, that I just thought it was quite interesting, your grandmother's your inspiration, but... yeah you didn't really have that contact with her for that inspiration. So how did that come? Did did you speak to your parents about or, or how, how did that sort of come through to yourself? Um, so, yeah, I'm, um, you know, I'm a Suffolk boy, born and bred. Um, we live, we always live fairly rural, not like on farms or anything, but in the countryside. Um, I don't know, yeah, the, the passion to work with animals has always been there for me. I always loved being around animals. I was always drawn to them. Uh, more so than people. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I work far much better than with animals than I do with people. Um, and, and yeah, like me, my grandmother, my mother, all they're all animal people, and that was that passion was sort of infused within me as well. And it was just there. I was just drawn to it, and I thought, you know, from for as long as I can remember, I wanted to own my own livestock, wanted my own cattle, and my own farm one day. So um, I just. Yeah, I'll, yeah, there was a brief period when I thought I might want to be a police dog handler, but then realised I couldn't handle the paperwork and all that sort of stuff. And so other than that, I've always wanted to work with cattle and, and yeah, and eventually have my own farm one day. So not really thought of anything anything other than that. did a little yeah. bit of tractor driving here and there and worked on other, th- other farms, but realised after a, a day or two I'll get mind-numbingly bored of driving tractors. Like, don't get me wrong, you need tractor boys out there, fair enough, but cutting grain back and forth to the shed is absolutely boring and <laughs> and brain-numbing, in my, for my opinion. Um, so, yeah, I've done that. And also, I'm not very good at working under people, so I thought right. I'd best 
aim to do my own thing one day. So, yeah. And and you said, I think I caught this right anyway at the start, you said you'd worked in agriculture for nine years. Is yeah. That, is that on places nearby and like tractor driving? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I started within the industry uh, on a small sort of like farm shop type deal, doing the stock husbandry and that. As part of a small team alongside college. And then, yeah, ever since college, been bouncing from sort of primarily always been trying to be bouncing from sort of farms of stock on either small number of cattle or sheep and also done the typical harvest harvest jobs here and there. And then the last four years worked on a beef unit as well, sort of honing my skills and seeing also how I don't, how, how I don't want to farm as well. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a brilliant. And seeing other people's systems is great to see how you would do it and also how you wouldn't. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, I would advise anyone to go a shot. Have you, have you worked um, in agriculture elsewhere, elsewhere, Abby, or just no. Use no, 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 I haven't. I just, oh. I went, I went straight into starting my own business. I don't do anything in halves. Um, yeah, I went from not really from not working, not having steps foot on a farm to work all my life and then um yeah went and just started our own business um but it felt so natural and I'm so glad although I do regret not going to college um I do think this was the best way for me to learn because I'm a very practical learner and I can be quite clumsy and I do tend to get things wrong about a hundred times before I get it right once so to be able to do it at my own speed and do it with someone patient and understanding as mm -hmm. Andy is so I'm lucky um it just really built my my self-confidence and made me realize that actually I can do it I can do this for uh, last year was my first time ever lambing and almost every single <laughs> you needed lambing so that was talk about being thrown in the deep end um only watched YouTube videos and read copious amounts of books on it. So uh, when the first one needed help, he, Andy just sort of pointed the back end to me and went, off you go. And yeah. um, that's the best way to learn, in, in my opinion. I think with lambing, it is. I've taken lambing courses. I've had students on the farm at home lambing. Um, my ex-girlfriend, the first time she was there, very well studied. But the first time you see that happening, you just got to go for it. It's, 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 a, it's not one of those things you can be like, well, just a wee minute, we'll just look this up. You know, it has to happen. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I think, I feel like, maybe I'm picking this up wrong, I feel like the sort of, the regret to have not went to college is sort of, it, it sits with you. It, it really shouldn't. There's, 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 what's the saying? I love this, and I've said it a few times, and I always say it wrong. There's no wrong path. And I think that is so true. Some people say you've got to go uni and do all that. That's nonsense, and that's coming from a lecturer. Like, that is nonsense. Um, everyone learns in different ways. Everyone wants to do things in different ways, and, and things happen in different ways. And, and I think... Um, that sort of, oh, I really should have went to college. It doesn't have to be the case, you know. Um, do you think, had you not met Andy, you would find yourself in farming? Um, I would have been absolutely miserable if I hadn't have done something, even if, if it had been only ever come to, like, a small holding type yeah. deal. Um, I would have been absolutely miserable. It would have been something that I would have regretted, you know, sort of, way into old age it, it would have been my biggest regret I, I never could see myself not having 
a farm it's it was so weird because it's it's not it's not in my family I didn't even as I said I didn't even know any farmers I don't know where this need to do it came from and I think it was it was my escape when I was a little girl and it was my happy place and I think I just I associate it with being happy and where I want to be in life so I think that's that's why it was such a strong desire to to somehow get back to that way of life now I love being outdoors I love the countryside so it was just it was never an option for it not to happen really I just I think without Andy and us coming together I do think I would have struggled to get into the industry I did try to get into the industry by messaging farms and farmers and asking if I could do you know um experience days and just just sort of feeling my way around it but I I didn't get any sort of opportunities that way so I, I did sort of truth be told I did give up a little bit I just sort of accepted that maybe it wasn't going to happen or not to that extent not to that scale um so I'd like to think that I'd have found my way there somehow but I don't know is the honest answer it's the answer is you don't have to know that <laughs> you know, you know that's a good part. that's a good thing thank goodness yeah, exactly, and it's and do you know for, for those of you listening, guys, I, th- I can't remember if I said it or not. Um, on Facebook and Instagram, uh, you can see Abby and Andy and A and A Livestock. I think Instagram is A underscore A uh, A underscore and underscore A Livestock. Is that right? And then another underscore between A and Livestock. Is it right? Perfect. So every space is an underscore. Um, it is. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, there we are. <laughs> um, and big time on Instagram, must be said. Uh, big time. Um, on on the sort of Instagram side of things, that, which is where where uh, I came across you guys at first, was you're talking about the sort of you would have been miserable had you not have been in farming. And now that side doesn't show, but what shows is how just, just chuffed you guys are to be in the position you are. And that's just so positive to see and so nice to see. And... Um, I think that's a credit to people, to everyone that starts from not zero but close, you know. And it's it's great to see that. And uh, for for you guys that are, are listening, if you do go and follow, uh, there's quite often updates about what's happening today and what's going on, and seeing you guys chatting. It's just nice to see and really positive. Um, did was the second you started farming together was social media a thing in your head, or did that just happen? Um, it just sort of, it sort of progressed over time. Um, I'm absolutely useless on, with social media. I did, I did not, I didn't even know how to use Instagram. Um, I couldn't even share a story. Honestly, I had to ask, I had to actually ask people on Instagram how to use it. It was very embarrassing. Um, originally it just started as a personal account and I just started sharing stories and posts about what we were up to. And I started, people sort of started following the Got account. Got some interest, didn't you? Yeah. And we were still sort of figuring out um, what we were doing, really, because um, I had my own cattle for a couple of years before I met Abby and sort of was muddling along and not really going anywhere. Um, and then we met and got together and, and and that coincided with me finding another bit of land had a bit more security so I can we could invest more into it and then you wanted to be involved as well. Um and then we invested more into it, like right, well we've got to think of some sort of business here. What, what do we want to do? 
and we actually wanted to sell direct to the public. So well, how are we going to sell meat to the public, produce to the public? We thought, well, we could do a website, but social media is free and generating a bit of interest. So we went down that route. And we should actually probably mention, obviously talking about you guys' journey into into farming and so on and so forth, um, which I do want to get into. Uh, but just just on the the social media side's great because it's it's a diversification that self assists into that that uh, side of things. I think you guys are sitting at eleven point something thousand on Instagram, which is is big for farming accounts on Instagram. You know that's that's middle to top size of farming accounts that are around in the UK and. Um, when did that happen? Did some was is that has been a steady growth, or has that been like a one day something happened, or what? It was definitely a steady. I'd say it was a steady growth. About a year of um, so. it. You know, uh, I was absolutely over. I couldn't believe it when we you worked hard at it. When we you say you don't like it, yeah, Abby worked hard doing it, the Instagram side of things. Well, it's it's important um, for me to put uh, a bit, you know sort of your line of thinking as well is I want to inspire and, and get people on board with that are perhaps not from a farming background that are thinking about getting into it as well as um, educating our, our potential customers um, and just sort of show that you know you can do it it isn't unachievable because I, I always say if six-year-old me had seen someone like me now and seen me farming and you know the fact that I'm not from a farming family it would have done so much for my confidence and have really pushed me to to sort of go into that maybe a little bit um earlier in my life and that's that was sort of 50 percent of the drive behind behind showing what we do sort of daily and and also showing the struggles we're very honest um we're transparent more like transparency we just yeah i decided good side and the bad side of things so and um what we do and don't do and why we do and don't do things so it's and all about transparency and um people knowing what goes into the food and what doesn't go into the food and where it comes from and how the animal is uh, reared and how it's treated. You, I, I, that's so important. You know, I think I think maybe in the past, agricultural media, and I'm not just talking about us folks on Facebook and Instagram. Before that was a thing, I'm talking about TV and that sort of thing, country file, landwards, so on and so forth. We're guilty of hiding the truth. You know, well, oh, we're out lambing today everything's perfect you know when, when in actual fact it's just never the case yes you get days and weeks at a time when it is but it's so important to show that struggle I think anyway and, and you guys clearly do as well and from a why people support you I only came across you in the last last few weeks maybe a couple of months um one thing that well, one thing I really enjoy watching is the fact you guys support each other you've got different backgrounds and and watching that is a really positive thing to that's a positive message to put over um Abby, you mentioned just before we started filming, you described yourself as a nan uh, from, a, from, a, from an Instagram perspective, but things are clearly working. I mean, posting on Instagram isn't about being a genius with a camera or being whatever. It's about portraying that story. And you guys have that support side. You've got the sort of showing the struggle, showing the real side of, of, of what's happening in your day-to-day -day lives and now job. And the, the other thing you mentioned maybe about five minutes ago, Andy, you felt just before you met Abby, you are sort of just 
working away, not really knowing where to aim, sort of just that sort of thing. That's a, a, a place that everyone is at at some point. And you have documented that transition to where you are now with a goal, what you're aiming for. And, and that in itself is, is motivational for people in your position and, and that sort of thing is, is brilliant. And, and I'm talking at the minute, so people that are watching this can't see how Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm agreeing, I'm agreeing, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's a... It's, yeah, it's really positive and I, I love to see it actually. So it's, yes, thumbs up for that. <laughs> it's, uh, it's good, it's good from, that, from that side of things. Um, on, on the farm, I tell you what, actually, before we even get into on the farm, getting land, whether it's rented, whatever, leased, whatever it is, <laughs> difficult, as Abby's face has just shown. Um, <laughs> could, could you tell us about that process, what's involved and how, how you actually managed to get, get that opportunity? um be tenacious don't take no yeah so i started looking i wanted to get cattle and started looking for land to rent on about 18 and didn't find any land to rent until i was about 2021 i spent roughly three years didn't like i didn't know anyone um didn't go to young farmers that wasn't my scene at all um and basically just went around looking for little bit little fields little rough bits of grass that didn't look like they're being used and pretty much just hang laminated um, signs on gates with my phone number on asking who the owner is and knocking on doors and going up to farmers and and saying oh what are you doing with that field over there sort of thing and and yeah spent three years of a lot of sort of being ignored, so just be signed, being taken down without any sort of communication or just being turned away sort of when people didn't realise or when they did, when they did realise, sorry, that I wasn't from a farming family and being only sort of 18, 19, 20 and saying, I want to get some cattle and graze them on this bit of land, saying, well, that's, that's dull, I'm not going to make any money doing that. How do you know, how do you know what you're doing? You know, you don't know anyone, you know, you know, you know, that sort of thing. So a few years of, yeah, a bit of a struggle um, and found a little bit of land that was controlled by a much larger farm in the area. Um, and that was, I'd actually been, I actually put signs on that bit of land three or four times before that and eventually went on the land registry and found out who owned it and then just, bombarded them with emails until I got a reply pretty much um, and yeah went from there and then we got our, the, the biggest chunk of land we lease um, just happened to send an email because I wasn't happy with the bit of land I did find there's no fencing it's near houses uh, it's too far away from where I was living at the time um, and yeah it's an email to another farmer and it just so happened that he had a big chunk of grasslands and parkland that was being poorly grazed. And um, he was looking to help out a younger person getting on there and provided me with a good opportunity um, to get on there and a bit more security so I could invest more in, into it. And then, that was, like I said, that was roughly when I met Abby and then uh, went on from there. So it's been, it's not been the easiest thing. It's nowhere near been the hardest thing in the world. And don't get me wrong, there was some good old boys that helped me along the way as well. Not, not all bad, but it was, yeah, it wasn't the easiest thing trying to get some land. I would say if you 
if you were to ask me what is the hardest part about you know starting a farm from scratch or getting into the industry if you want to to have your your own business um side of it would be finding land to rent depending on where you are in your situation for us we have to beg and message you name it all sorts to find land and you have to get very used to the word to the word no and you have to take it on the chin and you have to keep trying to the point of becoming annoying it it has to get to that stage because if you're really passionate about and you've really got the ambition um you do need to be tenacious you need to keep trying um until you get a yes that that struggle and that challenge must looking back on now must be quite proud it must be it's working now you've shown all those folk that didn't respond all that sort of thing yeah maybe you get in touch with someone and they don't have anything fair but if you get if you sort of ask someone to contact you and they don't it's a wee bit like all you had to do was say sorry no yeah yeah, i always put i I did my little signs and always said i said please let me know if you're interested or on the other hand please let me know if you're not so i could sort of move on to the next bit and that and not, I've had, I think I had one person maybe actually call me and say, oh, sorry, you know, we're not interested. Other than that, I just took, you know, notices just got took down. And after, after like the 10th or 13th time I put one on there, I gave up and moved on to the next bit. But because, yeah. you know, it's, a, it's also a dreadful shame to see bits of land just sitting there and not being nothing done with when you could be grazing animals on there and producing projects. <clears throat> feed people and yourself yeah. um and utilizing the, la- the, the land as well um yeah yeah that was yeah it wasn't wasn't brilliant um but but looking back we've been fair also been really bloody lucky really yeah. and a lot of opportunities really aligned really well mm. and um we're very very lucky with what we've got now and yeah. um it's all been sort of sheer luck that's sort of fallen in our laps eventually. And but, a um, people. Yeah, a lot of determination and, and um, persistent, but yeah, things aligned and it's working out. We're actually lucky enough now where we are having people that own land come to us now and we're actually having to turn people down because we just, um, they're either too far away or we just don't have the numbers to, to keep up with everything. So that's such a reward it's sort of a, a come full circle and um, yeah. we're in that position now and it's sort of proof that we we're, we're we're doing okay so that's it's nice to have to have that sort of feedback and those opportunities um sort of freely given and all that hard work paid off so that's a, that that's a good problem to have <laughs> people contacting you it is indeed um, yeah, and, and hopefully maybe maybe even the stars align over the next few few years or whatever when the chance comes and you can accept it and it's near enough by, then that comes forward as well. And, and, and if expansion's a, an intention, then maybe, maybe that's the next step. What, what sort of area is the lease? Um, so our biggest chunk is about um, 70 to 80 acres, I think, off top of my head. Yeah. Um, and then also... Other bits and pieces that we're grazing, we're probably grazing um, just just under ninety five acres, maybe ninety eight right. acres, probably. Um, yeah, but the biggest chunk is about seventy acres in one block, 
but um, that has all different sorts of things going on it. So at certain times of the year, we use we we lose sort of half of that. Um, but it's not too bad. The way we the way we run our stock, um, we utilise every bit of grass and um, um, look after it well. So um, yeah, yeah, not too bad. And so yeah, you're you're looking at the best part of 100 acres there. Um, that's that's brilliant. And do you mind me asking what age you are? That I'm, I'm 27 and Andy's 25. I'm 25 now. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, and that's that's been sort of since you were since you were you were 21, Andy, and then you came in about the same time. Um, oh, it's great. I'd love to hear these stories. The from from a what's on the farm perspective, what what sort of livestock are you running? So primarily, the bulk of the business is we're a small uh, beef suckler herd. Um, made up of primarily native, well, no, native breeds. Uh, we've got uh, some red poles, um, some belt Galloways, some Hereford crosses, beef shorthorns, and then um, we're trying to establish and stabilise the genetics on the terminal mm -hmm. side of things to um, cross with the natives and sort of try and cross our own sort of type of cow, try and build a sort of lighter cow um, that can outwinter well because we're you know, winter our cattle. Um, so we're trying to breed a lighter animal, a light, lighter cow with a lighter mature weight, sort of about half a tonne, 500 kilos. Um, so it's lighter on the land in the winter and doesn't take as much looking after and looks after herself as well. But also then from the stabiliser side of things, has the growth rates and confirmation that perhaps the natives don't quite have. So that's that. And then also we have um, sheep as well. They're sort of secondary type thing. Um, they're Wiltshire they're, horns. They're made up of, yeah, Wiltshire horns, sheep. Um, so we've got them uh, um, solely for lamb and mutton production because um, no point in wool nowadays. Um, so they're, no. a shed, they're, a shed, they're a shed and breed. They shed their wool and um, have a fairly decent carcass on them, and um, they're working so far. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's what we're compromised of now. And in Chickens. the in the coming weeks, we're going to be trying to start up some laying hens and start selling eggs as well. Um, selling uh, like pasture pasture produced eggs as well. So um, yeah, that that pasture. Uh, produced hens, be that broilers or layers, is is interesting stuff. It, 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 in my head, I'm like, how does that work? <laughs> um, but so many folk are doing it. I don't know if you've heard of pasture bird um, in the states. I think they're the biggest pasture growing. Right. Yeah. I think they might be meat based. I think they're broilers um, in the states. But that I, I heard them on an ag tech podcast once, and I'm like, I started following into it and reading a bit more into it. But that's, that's brilliant stuff like to hear about that um i quite like to follow that and see sort of where that goes and um sort of the future of that and i, I maybe you said this andy and i didn't pick it up what number of cattle and sheep is it oh roughly? sorry yeah um so the breeding herd <clears throat> excuse me the breeding herd consists of um about 19 animals now right um, that's including cows heifers steers and bulls We've got two young bulls we bred ourselves. Um, we've got uh, eight breeding females. 
and an assortment of steers and followers after that. And then also this year we bought some dairy born steer calves, some angered cross freeze and things to um, help us keep on top of grazing and hopefully be a bit of a little bit of a cash crop at the end of the year. Um, just because, you know, cattle is the longest production cycle I could have chosen to start with. So um, can't can't afford to go out and buy, you know, some nice red pole steers just yet. So we had to go and get some dairy cross things from a, a nice chap. And um, so yeah, 30 of them. Uh, 30 of them. So we got about, we got 40 head of cattle at the minute um, and um, 20 head of sheep. Yeah. Well, 30. Well, 30. So, yeah, 30 out of sheep, even. Yeah. Yeah. No, good stuff. Um, and you mentioned sort of selling online, um, which is is a fantastic way forward. That sort of selling at the farm gate, that idea of not just chucking everything into a market and getting what you're given, um, which albeit this year has been good. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not always. Um, how did that start? The Instagram sort of helped by selling it on. Um, and, and Facebook and that but was was that a decision of either of you or did you both sort of just think this is the way forward and how's it going now um it, I think it was fairly common sense we, so if we had the first couple of steers killed um our first year we were together and that was sort of just for our family and friends and ourselves and so we sold that sort of very unofficially but what we did what, what was legally done just family and friends yeah and um uh yeah we was really into traceability um the whole sort of process of following the animal where it comes from and trying to uh, get people connected back with that because um i worked on a polar opposite farm i worked on an intensive beef, beef unit mm-hmm. and you know seeing the conditions that they produced in and you know seeing animals die of pneumonia and up to their knees and crap and stuff and you know it's we sort of wanted like we want to do something we want to make a business of this um so the following year we had more we had stock more stock available got certified so we could sell to the public and um started selling to the public and um it never really occurred to to us to do it any other way no it made sense because being worked on farms and that, sending them to the market and making two, three hundred pound profit rather than get a butchered and process ourselves and then sell it ourselves and then cutting out like two or three middlemen. And we keep a vastly bigger chunk of profit than that. Um, yeah. It was a no brainer, really. Why on earth would we send it to market? And especially around here, um, there's, only, uh, there's only one or two markets that are really. We could, we could get to, and I know for a fact that there's not really much of a place for native bred cattle. Primarily, you know, your continentals, pretty much your limmies and charolais around here that um, get get top price. So there wasn't much point taking, you know, like a like a 550 kilo native bred steer to, to the local market because you'd have got nowhere near the valley that we can get when we have it killed and sell it ourselves. And that way we get to really connect with our customers mm. because we get to actually meet them. They can 
um, they can come and see the cattle, they can come and see the sheep, they can see what we do. And we're very lucky, as, as you said before, to have a, a following on our Instagram and Facebook. So they have seen it from, in some instances, from, you know, birth to death. And it's important for us to then follow that through and then be able to meet them face to face and still answer any questions that they have and talk to them about it. It just sort of nicely finishes off the whole process, we think, mm -hmm. um, sort of putting a, you know, a, a face to the name and sort of personifying the process rather than it being from a market, in, in our opinion. Yeah, no, that makes sense, and it's it's that sort of you said birth to death. It's almost like birth to death and beyond because you're you're making that connection with where it's going uh, in the end. You know, which is 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 a good story. You mentioned traceability, Andy. It's good good from that perspective, and and people people buy into that story as well. Um, how was that certification hard to get to to sell to the public? Is that quite an easy process? It was actually it wasn't really too bad. Easy. Had to sift through a little bit of jargon, but no, it wasn't too bad at all, really. Right. Yeah. Andy's mum is really good at, yeah, at all that side of it. She's Maybe. fantastic yeah. with sort of yeah all the admin side. So she she did help us sort of figure out yeah bless her yeah she's very good how to do it. And it was just a case of a, a couple of phone calls and and yeah, yeah was and it. A, over over the phone sort of conversation. We don't handle any so. of the meat. Um, we have it butchered. Yeah. We have we have obviously average yeah. one, and we have it butchered. Um, and then we get it back all packaged and labelled and sort of everything sorted. So because there's no contact with the meat, um, it's a lot, it was a lot more simple to get that certification than if we were to butcher it or handle it ourselves or add anything to the That's meat. The, yeah, it's the most basic certification yeah. that basically enables us to freeze packaged meat and then sell that, um, and which is what we wanted. No faff, you know, we don't bugger about individual cuts and stuff we just do pre pre pre-designed boxes and then we sell them yeah. to the public and they get what they, they get what they're given and they like it or they don't sort of thing <laughs> no I, I think that's the the best way to kick off you know maybe yeah. maybe down down the line you look at doing sort of bespoke um boxes for probably, folk probably not no probably not. no yeah just just, just yeah. place hassle at the bit. yeah no fair it, it yeah. feeds in it feeds into sort of how it used to be where you know people would sort of yeah make do not make do but but the, the cups <laughs> were all different and it, it wasn't just the prime well, people now is only mince steaks but um they're missing out on a lot of you know the bigger joints the stew and steak the shin um all, all sorts of lovely cuts that have uh, got tons of flavor and also, you know, like the offer as well. Um, we're hoping to get, you know, the hearts back this year for ourselves and potentially some other people. Um, it's just, yeah, and just getting people more connected to the whole animal. And, you know, it, um, a bit of meat isn't just a bit of meat. It came from an animal, came off a carcass, and getting people connected back with that so they can sort of realise that um, they can't just have 20 steaks and a pack of mints or something, um, you know, not, not every animal's the same. So um, just um, trials and tribulations, because um, last year we had an animal killed and we pre-sold all the boxes and for whatever reason, she didn't have as many steaks as we, we thought she'd have. Well, that and, was a lesson, yeah, we, we learned had to, a lesson there. <laughs> we had to explain to people that ordered them that they're only going to get X amount of steaks instead of what they were going to have. And 
that, that soon whittled out who were loyal customers and who were genuinely interested in the product because some said that's fine and, and then a few said they didn't want it so we just cancelled the orders and that's what we're about no nonsense so i had never considered the whole oh people just think you know people just think cattle create steaks and mints that's so true yeah. i'd never considered yeah. that and that's a really good point. I like the idea of there's so much more to this. Animal. There's so much more utilizable product here. Um, I like that. Yeah, no, I've changed my mind on the bespoke idea down the line. I like that a lot. Um, Trouble is, you'd get people that would just want steaks and mints, and then we'd be left all the joints and stuff to then try and sell yeah. separately. So, um, yeah, so the way we do it, you, in a box, you get you get everything from mints up right up to the joints and the steaks and everything. You get you get all that, and we when we, we work it. So hopefully this year we'll pre-sell the boxes, and um, we'll hopefully get a bit more educated guess of what the individual animal is going to have, so we can sort of make sure we um, underestimate the boxes we're going to sell from that animal. So we've got plenty from that animal to go around, sort of thing. Oh, yeah. No, good. I like that. Good ideas. I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2Cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, The Scottish Farmer, and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. But people don't like cooking now, though. <laughs> people, uh, yeah. you know, they like takeaways and such like it um, is ironic though because i cannot cook you know <laughs> i know it's so bad i i actually burnt oh we went for pizza for dinner tonight and i absolutely burnt it to a crisp <laughs> i cannot cook andy's the cook thank god i always said that i'd need to end up with someone that could cook <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm absolutely hopeless yeah, i think with a slow cooker little can go wrong you know you say um, that even even okay, even cooking even cooking with an oven and stuff though it's not I'm like I could I could do the basic stuff pretty well now it's not like hard stuff to like to like season a joint sear it whack it in the oven and put a load of water on it and a few vegetables with it it's not hard yeah. like like people can do it it's just people the way we the way we look at food now is very peculiar we just look at it as either a sort of a, a momentarily a moment a, a moment of bliss on the taste bud sort of like sugary junk or just we need to put something down our neck to keep surviving we don't look at the investment uh, our food is nowadays like food's medicine in my opinion like what you put in your body is what you're going to get out of yourself yeah so if you're eating crap you're going to feel crap but if you're eating you know, good stuff and you're cooking it well, you're enjoying it, that's going to be much healthier for you and that. And um, but yeah, and also people just want stuff quick now as well. Yeah. People are always on the go, fairly materialistic and stuff. Don't want to spend money on good good produce nowadays. Don't see that, you know, I, whenever people query or try to haggle with me, I always say, look, it's, in my opinion, it's an investment. You're investing in your own health here, you know. It's good stuff. It's good for you. Or you can just go and buy some processed crap and, um, well, see how you feel after you eat all that. That, you know, heavily processed cereals and vegetable oils and all that. 
and, and sugars and all sorts and um, see how you feel after that rather than see how you feel after you've eaten a nice beef casserole. And if 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 people want to haggle and get it cheaper and whatever, you know, like, I, I don't see the point in doing that, especially with, like, yourselves, a, a start-up business. Like, help people. You know, like, quite often, the times when smaller businesses around me have started up, I always try and buy from, always try and buy from, and let's say something's 55 quid. Chances are they're getting 60. Like, I'm not being like, oh, you know, 45, you know. You get nothing from that. You save a tenner, but that business is still going to be there in a year or two if you're just supportive of it. And it's so much better given to sort of smaller folk than, and I'm not, this isn't me having an issue with supermarkets because for the most part, I think a lot of supermarkets do well. I don't know how I just broke my pen. Um, a lot of supermarkets do well in a lot of places such as Aldi, Lidl, Lidl, however you say it, I don't know. I don't like Tesco. I don't think Tesco are good at all. Um, but <laughs> there goes the brand deal with Tesco. Uh, you know, <laughs> That, that that sort of thing. just supporting local people local people makes so much more sense and, and and that that money that they give to you i'm sure is going back into what your lo- your local community is you know that's how rural places survive um one thing that i noticed uh, having followed you recently is you both have now well you're both now full-time farmers um that must have been a big jump it was it felt really natural I mean it it was a big jump and it financially it was probably the most stupid time for us to do it because we've we've just moved in together um got bills to pay now (laughs) and stuff and haven't really got a lot of savings to fall back on so financially it wasn't very smart at all but um this year it was you know we uh, the grass got way ahead of us last year and we couldn't utilize it as well as we could have done um Carving and lambing was a nightmare. Carving and lambing was a bit difficult. You me being full time work, Abby living uh, a fair ways away. Excuse me, and um, and yeah, this year we were like we and then, and then sorry, last year selling produce and we couldn't keep up with demand. We were really surprised with the interest in it. And, you know, people really getting in key with what we're doing and sort of thing. So this year it was like, oh, we want to produce more. We want to triple in size. I thought, well. We can't, you know, can't the work's there, can't physically do it and hold down a full time job yeah, as we well. Were, we were especially working like full time, harvest, and then, harvest work, and then come weekends, we were working just on our business all weekends, yeah. evenings. But that still wasn't we were just enough. shattered, absolutely shattered. Um, so the work was there this year, and so we um, just said, Well, yeah, we want to do it. The actual practical work is there to be done, and so we're gonna have to, and also. I was fed up as well. Was 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 working and seeing how it shouldn't be done, and um, getting fairly fed up with people I was working for and that. So um, thought better get out of here before I do something silly. Um, <laughs> so we left, yeah, left left that and um, started doing our own thing. And um, yeah, it's going all right. It's been fantastic. It's so nice to wake up in the morning and look forward to going to work. That's it. Out the door. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But what, what was full time work before? Um, I just worked in a supermarket. Ironically, right. um, it was just to pay bills. Yeah, I was. <laughs> it was Tesco, and you liked there. I'm sorry. <laughs> it wasn't. It was not Tesco's. <laughs> it was not. I didn't like it, so it's fine. <laughs> okay, grand, grand. Other supermarkets are available. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
And yourself, Andy, you were on a farm. I was on a yeah, I was on an intensive beef unit, um, yeah. just as a, as a stockman doing the routine husbandry and whatnot. But um, you know, coming from you know CNR stock grazing, so we out winter, we just feed grass and hay, sort of getting into well, at the time we were getting into the regenerative farming, and now that's the way forward. That's how we're practicing now. Don't use any chemicals and that sort of thing with the you know the welfare of the animal at forefront and trying to be in key with nature, you know, running it all sort of like that, and then going and and then working on a farm where at certain times year there's not one animal outside; they're all in sheds, um, and yeah, it wasn't the it wasn't the ideal intensive unit. So, you know, um, mm-hmm. well. We had animals that didn't have pneumonia and weren't getting sick and they were outside and that. And I was going to work on a farm that had numerous cases of animals being sick and, you know, watching animals die of pneumonia ain't pleasant. And then having to drag them out afterwards isn't pleasant either. So, um, yeah, you know, tugs on the soul after a little while. So you've got to do your own thing and yeah, and do it a proper way, sort of the way we want to do it. And it so. was something we both wanted to do from a really young age. So it, it almost felt overdue somehow. Um, I mean, it was, a, it was a huge risk. It still is. Will we be successful? I mean, we're, we're yes. completely under the understanding that we're never going to be rich. We both know that. We're never going to be rolling okay. around in money. But we don't. We just want to be able to carry on farming. That's all we want. We see it as a way of life, not just a, a business. Um, we both love doing it. We wouldn't have done it as well as having full-time jobs if we didn't absolutely mm-hmm. adore it. I mean, you you know how testing and hard it, it can be. Um, so we wouldn't be doing it if we weren't absolutely besotted with it. Um, or believe in it as well. Or believe in it. I think the truth is, I don't know how hard it can be. Because I've, you know, I've born and bred in a farm, wasn't really involved until I was maybe 16. Yeah, I helped at lambing and stuff, but I wanted to be a footballer. <laughs> I look more like the ball than the football. But anyway, um, the uh, I wasn't involved and, and now I've went on, I'm off the farm, helped mum and dad pretty much all my holidays I have. But I certainly don't know how hard that jump is. And I commend folk hugely because i can't i can't sympathize I, I can't empathize with it at all i can barely sympathize with it but you say um you said there abby you know you're never going to be rich yeah but th- is rich the amount of money you have in the bank or is rich the fact you wake up happy like i mean I've, well, that's, that's completely you know? that's that yeah, that'd be our argument but we do get we do get sort of asked that question um quite a lot in regards to you know um is it financially viable? And the question is, um, watch this space. We wouldn't be doing it if we didn't believe in it. Um, you're completely right. It's not about how much money you have in the bank, but vet bills and rent do need to be paid. So obviously, about, yeah. You know, being realistic. <clears throat> but, um, well, well, yeah, obviously, yeah, we believe in it. And, uh, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't, we're not um, money a second, but we wouldn't be doing it if we didn't think we could make a living yeah. off of it. But our biggest goal is to produce, you know, non-chemical, high-welfare, grass-reared protein um, that, you know, people know that no nasty chemicals have gone into it. So, um, you know, people can consume it with confidence and have a healthy product and also feed ourselves 
healthily and knowing that we're not eating anything harmful um, and knowing that the animals are living a good life and living on forage and being able to display natural behaviours and um, just generally act and how ruminants should be able to act. So, um, yeah, that's the overall goal. And I think, um, yeah, we've just got to carry on what we're doing and, and, and keep going, yeah. I guess I should say, when, when I said sort of how much money in the bank, I, I meant sort of making sure you're still feeding yourself, making sure everything's fine and, and the yeah. farm can... I just don't, I mean, don't have a million quid. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, know, yeah. I just mean, right. as long as you're happy to get by, make ends meet. That's you know, it, we yeah. completely agree with That's you. Um, but yeah, yeah a, a, quite a few people sort of are very focused on the, the financial side of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're not. Yeah, we're not very. We're not materialistic people at all. You know, all, all our money goes back onto the stock, and and whatnot. So um, that yeah, that's that's what that's our wealth is um, being able to breed animals and and um, hopefully produce produce um, the healthiest protein we can for people. Yeah, there's there's many a metric of success. A lot of people seem to think it's money, and fair enough. But but it's it's whatever makes whatever makes you happy. And I think a lot of people that have that proper rat racy chase never get to the happiness part. <laughs> you know, yeah, strange people, strange people. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've got it a wee bit. Don't get me wrong, but like it's yeah, I sort of always lived by the whole always be happy, never be satisfied idea. You're always trying to push for something but always enjoy it when the, the process involved. You mentioned sort of regenerative agriculture and, and trying to minimise um, chemical inputs. Is Are you looking down the organicity line? Are you looking at organic or not that far? Um, well, practically, we run we run organic. So right. um, we don't use any fertiliser, herbicide, pesticide, fungicide on the land. Don't use any, any wormers or fly repellents. Um, Obviously, we don't sacrifice animal welfare. Uh, when an animal has to be treated with any yes. sort of drug, then we do so. All fly repellents, um, a prime example of this. Last year, I was stuck on a bleeding baler, and there was a, we had a weird spell towards the end of September when it was still warm and humid. The sheep were still being bothered by flies. We'd gone the whole summer without putting any fly repellent on them. But um, we had one sort of close call of, of stripe I got there and the maggots had just hatched and they, I got them just before they started eating the, these two ewes um, so yeah I got, just, I got, we got so fed up of being so worried I didn't want to turn up and find something being eaten by maggots so that was an example of we did use uh, we did then put a fly pour on to um, for the animals welfare because I, I, we couldn't be there to constantly check them and and you know, try and use natural um, repellents. So, um, yeah, we when we can, well, we, we don't use chemicals at all unless absolutely necessary for animal welfare. And then when we do use, when we do have to use chemicals, we will then do a video or a post um, to our customers. To let people know. To let and, people um, know why we've had to use it yeah. um, going forward, just so they're aware um, of what's being used on the animals but we're um, always always very careful and very thoughtful when we have to treat something you know um if the animal is just showing a bit of discomfort and it's something they could get over then we give them a chance to get over it um but as soon as we see any sort of sign of actual pain or or something that's only going to get worse like, like an infection 
um, you know, some, something that's going to pro progress negatively, then we just we treat it straight away with the appropriate antibiotics or, med or form of medication or whatever process is needed. We don't we don't believe in um, certification. Um, we think that we were we're not going to go down go down that route just yet. But practically, we run organically, but we're not certified and probably won't won't be at any time soon. We're not yeah. we're not we're not grass fed certified, but we only feed grass and hay. Um, so we we call, we put a spin on it and call it grass reared. Um, we say to yeah. people, if you if you, you know if you want to see how we how we run our animals and what we do, come come, come and have a look. Come have a look. We our policies are open and honest uh, and transparent, and um, people that are genu genuinely interested in being sensible um, will talk to, um, tell them what we're about, and tell them how we run things, and like I said, show them stuff if they if they want to come and have a look. Um, yeah, that's how we work things. We just talk about it and are transparent about everything we do. Well, uh, if I'm ever down your way, expect a visit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, always welcome. Yeah, always welcome. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you're saying sort of not going down the certification route. What you're talking about is, is an organic system. Treat when it's required. That's, that's sort of how it works, isn't it? Um, yeah. It, it, that, and also, <clears throat> in, in the world of fertiliser at the minute, yous will be, yous will be laughing in that sense. Um, definitely. Uh, you know, it's it's. Um, I've I've written a fair chunk in the last however long. Um, just just about sort of the story that you guys have got from 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 not farming to where you are. And and one thing that's sort of I've not mentioned that's that's been there the whole time is quite often you'll say something that happened, and you're like, you know, next time we'll learn from that. That that's brilliant. So many people pretend things don't go wrong. I <laughs> like the idea that you that things go wrong, and you're like, well. Let's change that, you know. The amount Things of state. go wrong all the time. Yeah. All the of course time. they do. Of course they do. And and you guys have been doing this less than five years and you're already looking at progressing to, to a larger size. And yeah, there's there's gonna be there's gonna be issues, but it's, it's good to see just how positive you are about the whole, the whole situation. Um it's been really cool to sort of look back on 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 the last while and sort of look at look at where you guys have came from and, and where you are looking to go to and, and where you are as well where you are at the minute um but there's two questions i ask everyone um on on this podcast and i think i've done this will be number 44 and i think i've asked everyone so this will be the 88th time i've asked these questions that's Goodness. quite sad <laughs> yeah, no, if i forget them that's embarrassing um, <laughs> yeah we we tend to we tend to sort of um, draw the podcast to a close with two questions being one where do you see yourself in five years and two and this second question I think is great for you too it's literally made for you too um, if you had tips for folk coming into industry what would they be? Um, in five years, um, um, our, our goal is to definitely own our own bit of land, oh, even yeah. if it's just a couple of acres, just something that we can call. Our own. We we're, want, we're always going to have to rent land. That, we want that security. I, I've put a goal on the next two years to own land. Like Abby like said, just just a few acres, just so we got 100% security, so we can do whatever the bloody hell we want to do with it. Um, and um, yeah, and to live and on have, it have as full well. control over it and somewhere to live, hopefully. Um, yeah, build a herd. Um, I think we're aiming for about we're aiming for sort of roughly thirty or forty uh, cows plus followers, 
um, similar sort of number of sheep. Um, yeah, five years should be too difficult. Should should be there. Um, just and then just be a bit more well more established, more well known for producing non-chemical um, high high welfare grass grid protein. Um, yeah, stick, producing more beef, more lamb, eggs, possibly even uh, meat, birds, uh, chicken and duck, possibly. Um, experiment with those sort of things and um, hopefully working with more more people, getting on more land um, and working with other farmers to sort of get that sort of regenerative farming sort of out there and try and show people how it's done. And um, well, be successful, then, yeah. That's what you want to be. To have learned from our many mistakes that I'm sure we're making five years. Yeah, as well. Yeah, but you say many mistakes as if all you do is mistakes. Got to learn. You got to learn. And uh, yeah, that's the only way you learn. Exactly. Not... Imagine how clued up we're being five years. Yeah. We'll be experts. <laughs> <laughs> forgotten more than we'll know. Uh, yeah, no. Um, and have I forgotten another one? Yeah. Uh, tips for folk coming into industry. Um, be tenacious. Don't don't give up. I know that's quite cliche, but if you want to get into get into the farming industry, you really have to be really tenacious and, and don't take no for an answer. Um, really focus on what you want to achieve, what what you want to do. But have a look. Have a look around. Um, see what sticks out to you. You know, are you are you mechanically minded? Do you like sitting in the driving seat? Do you like working with large animals? Do you like working with smaller animals? Do you like working with soil? Do you like working with plants? Maybe you have a bit of, do a bit of research and sort of maybe see if you can discover what sort of aspect you're really interested in because that'll save you time and and then going down all sorts of different routes because um, you know you can have you could go into agriculture with a very sort of broad spectrum or you can um, find a nice you find your niche that you're going to go into because eventually you will find well you might be you might be there are some people that have a very broad approach across the industry and do all sorts but then i'd say most of the time people you know settle into stock production cereal production other 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 sort of aspects of the industry so um maybe yeah have a bit do do some research and then go into it so you're more focused you know so you can save time um and yeah, just just be just be blindly stubborn. Just yeah, just be driven. Have you got to have a passion for it? Um, as as cheesy as it sounds, if you haven't got a passion drive for it, and you don't really really want to do it, you don't love doing it. You're not gonna you're not gonna succeed at doing it. You've got to have that passion there behind you, driving you to do it. Otherwise, it won't work, and you will get fed up of it. Um, but, Re- but reach just, out to just, local just, farmers just keep going. Just keep well. going. Just yeah, just try. try and find that avenue to gain to gain experience. Just do it. Just do it. Listen, listen, listen to the good people and ignore people that are saying otherwise. Um, take advantage of people that are being genuinely helpful. When anyone else says anything, um, you know, bugger them and just carry on what you're doing. Depending yeah. on how much experience they have, if they can find a mentor. Um, or a local farmer that will help them. Not out. everyone with experience knows what they're doing, though. Well, no, but finding that someone is, to help. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, even even 
even negative people, if you listen to them, you probably will learn something. Um, not necessarily something you have to take on board. It might be something you don't have to take on board. But um, yeah, I've, I've even found in my past, even if there's naysayers or negatives or whatever, just listen to what they're saying and you might pick up something useful for yourself. Um, but no, very good stuff. And, and you mentioned, and I had a feeling this would be where he's wanted to be in five years, was owning land. Would... Own, would the post say owning land came up, but it was far away from where you were? Would you do that, or are you homebirds like where you are? Abby, Abby would, I think, but um, it's taken, it's taken, <clears throat> well, it's taken me and now us, what, four or five years to sort of start getting recognised and starting yeah. to build contacts. So my view would be. Yes, we might have stock and some capital to uproot and move elsewhere, but then we've got to build. I don't, I'm not good at building communication with people well at all. It's thanks to Abby that we've come this far on the communication side of things. So that'd be a big deal to uproot and start over again and build contacts again, and then also learn the learn the different landscapes, how the soil reacts, how the how the plants react and stuff, how the and then, and then how the stock gets acclimatized and and all, and you know all that sort of attitude and uh, attitude of the customers in that area as well so yeah building build, for me it'd be building up a building up our customer base yeah, again we've, we've, we've worked we're, so hard to get yeah, more customers we're just and... we're just building a good a good sort of base in the area now and i believe there's well we drive around a lot and see numerous acres that aren't being utilized and not being <coughs> not being not being used um so we just need to build up that capital to where yeah. we can go to someone and um and um try and uh, get hold of a bit of land i think it's perfectly doable so uh, yeah yeah <laughs> See you no, yeah absolutely i'm sure both your drives will be and um i i hope to follow on instagram and facebook we'll follow the journey see where you get and i'm sure it'll all be a uh, good be good places and uh, yeah thank you thank you both for coming on it's been great to chat um thank you thank you it's been lovely to talk to you yes yes oh I, I i guess to have someone on in the uk you're about as far away as we could have done um which is great <laughs> uh, i like that with it's good to sort of get from all around um it's great to meet different folk and it's a it's a networking industry as you say andrew uh, Andy and it's, it's good to meet sort of everyone from every corner and every side of it so uh, thank you very much for your time to the listeners listening I do not know what the next podcast is because I'm not actually that far ahead at the minute um, what I will say is I'm saying this to you two uh, guys this will be number 44 two ago number 42 which actually as we're filming this will be not tomorrow Friday but next Friday is a uh, Joel Salatin so when you're talking about regenerative agriculture yeah yeah, yeah we like that yeah you I think you'll like next week's episode then it's a it's a good one um oh, good. it was it was quite a big bag to get him on the podcast to be honest it was quite a, yeah uh, no he's, he's he's a super guy yeah he's really kind of kind of the king of the whole regen stuff really he's sort of the that family was sort of where it started um, as we talk about not going to ruin everything uh, so yeah uh, number 42 for that one but as always guys thank you for listening thank you to you two for for coming coming on and we shall see you next week see well that's it another r2 cast finished another agricultural mind opened up and i would just like to say that 
getting these guests on board. It does take time uh, and it always has done, but I've now went weekly and with that comes even more time required. And I would just like to finally thank once more the Scottish Farmer for sponsoring the show and making that much more possible. Please be sure to get in touch if you've any ideas of people you'd like to see on the podcast or maybe ideas you have for me presenting better because I definitely do require that. See you in the next one.